I'm Jeff Cohen. You're about to hear our first ever Saturday to Shabbos husband and wife interview. My guests today are Khani and Barak Sef. She's from Crown Heights and he's from a secular background, but somehow their journeys crossed and they built a life together. Most importantly, we'll get real-time fact-checking, as each spouse can chime in on the other's perspective. So let's get started. Khani and Barak, welcome to Saturday to Shabbos. Thanks. Thanks for having us. So we're going to have a lot of fun today having a husband and wife combo interview. And let's jump in, starting with Barak. Can you give us a sense of where you were born and raised? Uh, yes, I was born and raised in uh, Westchester County, uh, White Plains, New York, secular basically American household, uh, went to public school, the White Plains District. I did go to Hebrew school, I think because it was free or it came with a membership or something like that. So uh, I went to the Hebrew Institute of White Plains Hebrew School, which is, is our current school actually. And otherwise went to school maybe like Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah maybe also, and we did have seders at least for a few years when I was younger with, with my family. So wait, when you said that you were raised secular, but where you went to Hebrew school, was it in an Orthodox shul? It was, but I, I think it, the only reason was that it was free. You know, like, I, I don't think it was like, like a conscious decision to send me to Orthodox Hebrew school, but I did get a little light and kindled my neshama from uh, Rabbi Elchanan Weinbach, who lives in Muncie now, um, but he was a recent REITS graduate, I believe, mm-hmm. and uh, he was like the teacher when we were like in middle school. I was there maybe from like fifth to seventh or eighth grade, I guess, till my bar mitzvah, and that was like Sundays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. So because it was in an Orthodox shul, were you crossing paths with any observant kids or there was kind of like separate? Back then, I mean, there weren't that many Shomer Shabbos Yidin that I, that I was aware of, even my friends who I ultimately became religious with. And then after your bar mitzvah, was that kind of, at least when you entered the high school years, a lot of secular Jews, that's kind of like the end of the line after the bar mitzvah. So did you have a similar experience, like you had the bar mitzvah and then Judaism kind of goes to the side at that point? Yeah, I would say that. Uh, I mean, it just yeah, Judaism Judaism was not really part of part of my existence. Just you know, cheeseburgers on on Saturdays at the at the Galleria Mall. That was <laughs> that was pretty much the extent of my connection to Yiddishkeit. No, well, my mom told the story that my grandma, she was going to school at Oneonta, at SUNY Oneonta, and I think she was going out with a non-Jew. And my mom told me that the parents like picked her up and brought her home. That, I guess, had a big impact on me. From that story, I guess it just made me think like, oh, there's something to this Judaism. I don't know what it is, but like for some reason, we're supposed to be with Jews. So let's turn to Khani now. And can you give us a sense of your childhood and what your family was like religiously growing up? So I was born and raised in Crown Heights. I had a pretty typical Lubavitch upbringing. I went through the yeshiva system, which means I went to an all-girls school. Back then, there was only one girls school in Crown Heights, Beis Rifka. And I went there through ninth grade. And then I kind of started going on my own little off-the-beaten-road path, trying to figure out who I was on my own crazy journey. 
left everything, finished high school in Queens. That took you off the Derrick for a time period or you were exploring, but you were still living like a religious life within the confines of your family? It was kind of like one foot in, one foot out. I lived with my parents for a long time. I was sort of staying within the community and then moved out with a bunch of my friends and was not living a religious life, trying to find out who I was, where I fit into religious life, what I felt okay with. It was a very different life back in the 80s and the 90s in Crown Heights. Okay, so now let's advance the story to the kind of college years. And let's start, Baruch, with you. Where did you go to school? What were you looking to study? And what role is religion playing during that time period of your life? I would say not much at this point. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I guess I still don't know what I want to do. I just wanted to have a family. And thank God we have a family, Baruch Hashem. But uh, at that point, uh, I just wanted to go to like the best school I could get get into. I was a, I'm the oldest ch- of, of three. I mean, I guess I was a smart kid, like a kind of, as Hani would say, a geek or worse that my kids would call me. But <laughs> I, I like school. I like to learn. And it's one thing I'm good at. So uh, I went to University of Pennsylvania, a decidedly very Jewish school. Yeah, so I went over there and, but I had played music with my band, with my friends across the street. Uh, the Walker Brothers, now Shlomo, Mordechai, and, and Pesach. Uh, but we were, we were playing in a rock band. And also my brother was in a band and another Catholic guy from track from high school. I think they called us five Jews and a nun. <laughs> That's what we called, what we called ourselves. Uh, we, you know, it was during grunge times and we played rock and roll and whatnot. It was fun. I played bass. They went to college. I just wanted to study science. I studied neuroscience. And, and I mean, I was working on Shabbos. I took one Wharton course, pass fail, and I did not step foot in Hillel. But I mean, in my freshman year, all of us Jews, it was like Hanukkah time. And like the Jews are like, you know, coming together, like, oh, the Jews from Queens and Forest Hills and Jews from Jersey, you know, and all on our floor in Florida. And uh, we did light Hanukkah or candles are used used the uh, electric or something but i remember we did that that was like the only thing i did jewishly mm-hmm. <laughs> at penn during my tenure there you know so i kind of regret that because there's a lot of good jewish studies classes over there so that it's funny that's similar to my background i also went to penn but i was secular at the time i had a similar experience to you in terms of not really going to hillel but having a lot of jewish friends let's now go back to Hani because i hear from barak you were you know career-minded at an ivy league school doing great religion is not a key part of your life at that point so Hani, take us inside that part of your life well i finished high school and i started taking one class at community college hated it did not feel my place i was living a religious life living with my parents it didn't really equal out and i said eh, it's really not for me let me pause. And then when I decide whatever I want to do, maybe I'll go back. That never happened. So I got a job and was living at home, hanging out with friends all the time and working in Shabbos and Yantiv, you know? Right. So now I'm thinking anybody who's listening to this podcast is saying, here we have two people in their you know late teens entering their 20s. The guy is a secular Jew and the woman, you know, has the background, but is, you know, dabbling in and out. So which of you can now tell me how your paths cross and how like a more substantial 
kind of Judaism <laughs> enters your lives. That's what I'm like dying to hear now because I don't see I don't see where it's coming. Yeah. So I mean, basically, I graduated college. I got into medical school. Didn't go to medical school because I didn't really want to become a doctor. Honey's pissed off at me. Oh, sorry. That's now. <laughs> and then I uh, I was working at a hospital in, in Port Chester. That was a cool job. It's actually complementary and alternative medicine. Then my next job is working at an internet company. I worked at about.com and it was cool. It was a great time working hard with smart young people and then like going out drinking after work, you know, and that's pretty much like what we did. And then that went away because the dot-com bubble burst. So I lost my job in 2000 and then I started going to massage school. I went to a massage school through 9-11 but during that time period, like my friends, those guys, the Walker brothers, they now were playing in a Jewish band called Paydalid. And they had a gig in Montreal and it was Purim. So right around this time in Montreal, it was freezing and uh, they didn't have a bass player. And I was watching them and I saw all the girls and I saw the band and I was like, this is cool. And everyone was like drunk. I didn't realize, I didn't know what Purim was. Like they don't teach you about Purim in Hebrew school. Like the, the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But then I, I asked the guys in the band, like, can I play with you guys? And they're like, yeah. And so then I started playing Jewish music. That really set me down the path. Um, I was playing with them. And then, yeah, Lagba Omer, there was a gig in Muncie. And I saw this girl on, like, a SUV, on my, on my friend, on Pesach's front hood. And I just looked at her. I was like, okay, that's cool. I didn't expect it. I'm like, Muncie, I thought it's like a religious place, whatever. But, okay, cool. And then I get introduced to this girl later, and Hani was that girl, that young young lady on the hood of the car. Let, let's hear <laughs> the story now from Hani's perspective of how you end up on the hood of this car and when you see this guy uh, for the first time. So I was hanging out with a lot of friends, doing different jobs, and really my life was just trying to figure out who I was, where I fit in religiously in my community, out of my community. And I really didn't know too many people out of Brooklyn. And I met a bunch of people at a party. I saw a flyer out for this concert. So I went over to the concert. It was in the city, took the train up. And my friend was like, oh, you should come hang out in Muncie. And we used to go, our friend, like he was the caretaker for an old sleepaway camp in Muncie that was currently used as a day camp. Camp fun. Camp fun. It was like off route 59, 306, something. And um, basically, he would use the campgrounds. They didn't care what he did over the weekends. As long as Monday morning when the camp kids came, it was back exactly out and how it needed. And I, at that point, was going, and I mean, there was like, I don't know how many people up there every weekend, camping on the field, staying in the bunks, because it used to be a sleepaway camp. And one of my friends was like, oh, we're, we're going up to the camp. So I went up, and it was an insane amount of people up there. And I was a little freezing. (laughs) So these guys all had their cars on, headlights on. I was like, oh, this is sweet. I'm just going to sit on the car, warm up, and like socialize. And that's how I ended up on the hood of somebody's car. I had no idea whose car it was. But so then this um, pen grad comes around (laughs) the corner, right? And so 
it sounds like he had a moment seeing you. Did you do you have a moment recalling like seeing him that first Absolutely time you guys spoke? Absolutely not. I do not have any <laughs> recollection of it. I don't remember that. So wait, let's try to take the story to the part where right you you hit it that's, off with each other. So it get, sounds like there's some like near misses and at. stuff. There but... was a party the weekend before nine eleven, and we were uh, let's call it drunk. Well, 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 let's just step back a second. You went with your friend to Vermont, some sort of Chabad getaway. And so I didn't see you for like weeks. You were like, you went away. And then I didn't see you for like the whole summer. And then we got back. And the weekend, again, it was Saturday morning. And I was awake all night partying. And I wanted ice cream. And I started asking around. I was like, is anybody okay to drive? I asked somebody and they were like, no, no, no. But that guy over there, he looks like he just woke up and I haven't seen him partying all night. Go ask him. I was like, all right, what's his name? They were like, I don't know. So it was, <laughs> I, I asked Barry. him, I said, are you okay to drive? <laughs> I hear you have a car here. And he was like, yeah, I'm totally fine. And I was like, I really want ice cream. Can you drive me to go get ice cream? And this really nice guy was taking me for ice cream, and then he paid for it. I did. Oh, such a gentleman. That was our first date. Did you know, Barak, this is the same person from the hood of the car? Like, you have this connection? I don't know if I put it together at that point, but I just, I guess later when I figured out things, I realized, oh, that's the the, the girl on the, on the hood of the car. I don't remember when I, it all came together, but uh, yeah, that's... That's the beginning of us. Barak, you're secular from the way it sounds in your story at this point. Hani, you're still exploring what you want to be. So j- take me to the part now where it's like getting more serious and you must be having conversations about how you want to live as a couple if this is going to work. We did not see each other from September till November. I was friends with the band. But then I went up with my friend to... The guys in the band were like, oh, we're having a party. We're having a party. It's up in Westchester. They got me a ride. We went up with um, the guys, their cousin, and massive media shower. Like that night, we snuck into the back of Salman Schechter's field, which is now locked, which is not so nice. And we were watching all night, like shooting stars. It was pretty magical. And then... And then we hung out underneath the bleachers for a while. And then at the end of the night, you said, guess what's in two days? And I was like, what, your birthday? Like, I'm joking. And you go, yeah, actually, it is. You want to go out. And his birthday was our first date. And then we literally just had fun, like dating for all of five weeks. But we were basically together all the time, you know, so we we'd be, every night we'd play gigs but they hang out and we did all different things throughout the city and uh, we had basically kept shabbos for like four weeks without even trying and then i guess we just started talking about the future and like we just wanted to raise a jewish family and everything came really quick for us we got married well, we didn't get married until july but we we were together the whole time and then we went to israel together with the band as well and then as our first anniversary present was our daughter so we kind of were just like on this wave and we just were doing it together i mean we were 
dating and got engaged five weeks later. If you're going to be Balchuva, I'd say to marry someone who knows how to make a Shabbos, because I don't know how to cook. Um, I don't know how to do anything. So, I mean, thank God, my, thank God, Hani's taught all of our kids how to cook, boys and girls, how to cook, even uh, our son with special needs. I mean, he does some things. And, uh, you know, it's it's important. But I definitely am lacking in that, <laughs> in those skills. Well, it probably helps in this in this situation when Hani has the background. So even though you strayed from a little bit as you came back, to it as a couple, Hani, you could bring back some of the traditions you learned as a kid and, and insert them into your family, right? So when I was coming back, I remember the first time I saw Baruch in shul davening. It was actually young Israel White Plains. He was davening. And I remember like seeing like a few people just watching him just sit there and just praying his heart out, thinking like, wow, like I grew up in this and I one day want to be like that because I don't even know what that is. Yet I had more of a connection in so many detailed daily, weekly, yearly things within the Jewish lifestyle. And so when I came back with him, I brought all of what I grew up with and all of what I had learned and taken up after school seeing it from a few different sides of it at this point. I mean, I don't know what I would have done if I didn't have that foundation. Right. So you have the you have the foundation. So you at least have a level of, I would think, confidence in sharing it with your kids. And then uh, one of you just mentioned that one of your children was born with special needs. So just kind of share with us how that experience has shaped your parenting and, and what that is like and how you kind of mesh it with raising your family observant. Yeah, we probably we probably have to have like a whole other podcast, but so it's our son Ari. Uh, I I don't know. I think it just basically helped us become better parents and better people ultimately. Yeah, got it. So I just wanted to ask you, Hani and, and Baruch, where are you living now? Where are you holding these days? So we have six children. We live in White Plains, but just to go back for a second, I don't parent my son with special needs any different than I do any of my other kids. I've never done that. I expect the same in a different way from him than I do any of my other kids. Whatever they want to take out of religious life, that's up to them. But I'm here to provide it for them. What's your best advice for someone when they're interacting with a child that has special needs? Talk to them. They want to interact. They want to, like everyone, they, they, they crave attention from other human beings. They don't want to be ignored. You, they might not have the, the facilities to uh, express themselves all the time. Sometimes just a smile, a wave, maybe, I don't know about COVID times, but, you know, a high five or something, you know, but to reach out and just extend your humanity. I think that's just the important thing. Just everyone wants that that love from other people. So try to give some love. Everyone's got it in, in them. So yeah. share the love. Okay. And Hani, I want to ask you one other question. Because you mentioned earlier in the interview about that that struggle when you were a teen about being on the path or off. So is there some advice you could share for maybe some of our teen listeners who maybe were either raised religious and are having doubts, or maybe they're secular and they're thinking of getting more involved and they have doubts? What, what advice would you have from what you experienced? From what I've experienced, really giving yourself enough space to like learn yourself, who you are mentally, emotionally, and 
try things, try everything. Somebody invites you somewhere, go. You never know what's going to happen. I wasn't going to go to that party where I met my husband. But don't try everything. Don't try, no, don't try everything. (laughs) When I say try everything and say yes to things, I mean, if somebody's asking, do you want to go and check, I don't know, this museum out, this cool experience out, say yes, do it. Khani and Baruch, I want to thank you for joining me today on Saturday to Shabbos. Thanks. Thank you so much. Saturday to Shabbos is produced by Gary Wallach. Our theme music is by Paul Uden. To learn more about us, please visit tachlismedia.com. That's T-A-C-H-L-I-S-Media.com. Tell us what you think about what you've heard or suggest a story we should know about by emailing Shabbos at tachlismedia.com. I'm Jeff Cohen. Thanks for listening. Please check with us often for more stories of inspiring Jewish journeys. Saturday to Shabbos is a Tachlis Media podcast.